0: welcome and thank you for tuning into the promise centers weekly podcast we hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to take your next step in following jesus as always feel free to check us out at www.thepromisecenter.com for more information on our church what we're doing to make a difference in sonoma county and how you can partner with us god bless and enjoy this week's message. Said this twice already, and I mean this with all my heart when I say this. It is so good to see all of you today. Uh, we have thought about you all week long, and I know you've thought about us. We've gotten texts and messages, and 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 what a week! What what a week that has um, drastically changed the landscape, uh, literally and spiritually, of our city, right and community. And I'm looking around, and I see people who have jumped in and and have helped and have served, and I'm so proud of you. And one of the things that we've always believed here is that, um, you know, it's not about who does it, and it's not about um, getting the glory. It's about let's find who's doing it the best and get behind them. And so we have so many volunteers all through the week that have jumped into different programs and been at Elsie uh, Allen to the Vets Building to uh, jumping car, carpooling, helping people uh, move through the area, getting supplies to some of the elderly. So I'm just so thankful for your heart, and I know that so many of you are going. We want to do more. And if there's if there's anything you know of, let us know. And the best way to stay abreast of what is happening is on Facebook. We're just posting every, almost every hour just updates. So um, please, please um, keep up that way if you can. The other thing is I like to show a picture of, of just a few uh, of the people that we actually have their picture. There's more. There's probably another now six or seven that have lost their homes. We have some pictures of families in our church. Some of these faces you'll recognize. Some of our are service pastors um, uh, at the, I don't see where they are. My Okay, top right. The Reese family, that's my sister and my brother-in-law, they lost their home, and uh, my sister, literally, um, they were trying to get out of the neighborhood, the coffee park area. They couldn't get out, ran back to the house. My sister jumped on a bike um, with the two little girls. She's pregnant, and she had the two little girls, and she put them in the back of this little trailer that pulls behind the bike. They're going. A Good Samaritan jumps over a curb, gets to them, says, "Jump in." Mikey get, has another bike. He's going and they're just barely getting out of the neighborhood. And these are story after story of people like this who didn't get a wake-up call and you know what what, what the what the, the fire moved too fast and there was just no way for us to to get that message. And and it just in many ways startles me. In many ways it humbles me. In many ways it it reminds me of that scripture of that that midnight call that awakening and what God is, I hope, doing in my heart to awaken me again to the need of our city and to the wonderful, beautiful people in our city who are crying out, looking for direction. I believe that if anyone can serve and give an answer to the questions in people's hearts, I believe the church of of God can do that. Amen. I believe that his body should be able to do that. So I'm so thankful for you. We love you guys so very much. Um, If there's anyone in here... Um, who wasn't on that picture or wasn't in that picture or those pictures and you did lose your home, we'd love to meet you outside because we want to take this process more than just giving you some waters for the week, but we want to walk you through the process. This is something that's going to be several weeks, months, and possibly years of walking through this. And there's so many great resources and people even in this church and outside of this church who have said we want to be a part. So we want to just we want to lock arms with you, and and pray with you. Also, want to continue to pray that these fires would subside. We want to pray that God will just, you know, let those winds blow in the right direction. And I've been talking to firefighters. I talked to my neighbor's a firefighter. He's the uh, assistant chief, fire uh, fire director, firefighter in 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 Santa Rosa. And and he was using words like, "We need a miracle, right? And we need we need something to happen." In our favor. And I just think people are looking for that, going, we just, we need, we need the Lord to intervene. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful that in this time there's been so much charity, goodness, compassion, generosity. And, and I know the Lord is going to, to, to use this terrible circumstance for his glory and to see uh, that generosity and charity move freely through our community. Um, we do have many stories. We have stories that we have wept. I mean, this in the first service, we literally, the majority of the people whose homes burned came, they came to the first service, and it was a tearjerker. I mean, it was a tearjerker kind of service, and before the service, and after the service. And uh, the Bible tells us this ingredient, this secret ingredient, that we are to weep with those who weep. And then it says, we're to rejoice with those who rejoice. And why this is so crucial is because this, in many ways, is the revealer of our own hearts. Because there's a tendency, even in humanity, when bad things happen to people, we feel better about ourselves. And when good things happen to people, we go, that's not fair. I wish I had what they have." But the ingredient that God gives us is this, is that we're to weep with those who weep, and we've got to be able to rejoice with those who rejoice, and so out of this first week, there have been several stories of loss, several stories of, 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 you know, just pain. But then there's also been some wonderful miracle stories. And the cool thing is this is all of those stories, the good and the bad, they belong to us. The bad, we're going to jump in and say, we're going to get beside you and behind you. That belongs to us. The good, we're going to celebrate and go, look what God has done. So, what I want to do is, I want to invite Eric Berkines to come up, and he's going to tell you a story that touched my heart. I want him to share it with you. Would you give Eric Berkines a a big Promise Center welcome?
1: There I am. Okay. (laughs) Hello. All right. So my wife and I are experiencing something for the first time. It's called survivor's guilt. We have so many friends who have been impacted so negatively. And I'm here to share a story of God's grace on our our family. Um, Sunday, 11.45 PM, my son wakes me up. He's uh, studying to be an EMT. So he gets alerts on his phone of all these things that are happening. He says, Dad, there's a fire 10 miles from our house. He tells me where. And I'm like, well, that is close, but I'm sure they got it covered. Let's just go back to sleep. No, I could not just go back to sleep. So I got up, and we we just processed. And we looked over the hills, and there was this glow. And I thought, gosh, that that is pretty close. And uh, so I said, well, you know, we, we should be prudent. We should do something to get ready. So I said, let's get my truck turned around, empty the plumbing things out, and just get ready if we have to. So we do, and in that period of time, that, that glow grew. And I said, you know, I'd hate to wake up, wake up your mom, but go ahead and wake her up. <laughs> Tell her to pack a bag just in case. And so we got everybody packing a bag. And in the time it took to do that, there's more glow. And I said, you know. Something's going on. Let's get get what's important. Just get it in my truck. By the time we got my truck loaded, it's about 1.30, and the entire ridge is red. And we're hearing like a freeway coming. It, it was just like crazy. And then we start hearing explosions going off. And there are people's propane tanks and, and things just exploding. And I'm like, this is coming. And so I said, get the family out and go. And, and I got a couple more things, and then I took off. And we got across the freeway to Jen's mom's house and feel safe, but don't know because we can see that glow. And then I was like, oh, dang it. I didn't turn the gas off. What if, what if, what if the house is just partially burning and then the gas is on and it just goes up? I'm like, dang it. So I get everything settled and I'm like, I just can't sit. So I go back up there. And, and I get to the neighborhood and I'm okay. I get up my hill a little bit. I'm okay. Always looking, where do I turn around if I have to? And then I see my house and it's not on fire. So I get up there and I see the fire coming over the hills. So I get the gas turned off and I'm like, just, "Ah, I should go. And then I just, I'm like super curious and I'm like, all right, maybe I could do something. Maybe I could do something. So my daughter Erica comes with me and we do the same thing. It's safe, it's safe. Okay, the house is still there. We go to turn on the garden hose and there's no water so we can't do anything. And we're just stopped. And uh, let's put that first picture up of the house. This is from our deck looking across at the ridge right next to ours. Our neighbor's house went down in 20 minutes or so. And it just kept going. Let's see the next picture. This one here is hard to see. On the right hand side, can you see the telephone pole in the flames? The flames had burst up, and I caught the picture as they came down. They were way higher. This was coming down the middle ridge right across from my house. And in between is nothing but dry grass and dried fallen oak leaves in between our ridge and theirs. And I was just like, okay, Erica, we should pray. She turns on worship music on her phone, and we just start singing. And we just feel the presence of God on our deck in the middle of this we feel the presence of god and we feel nothing but peace and safety in the middle of that so this is right at dawn and we start hearing explosions coming down our road towards our house and i'm like we got to go and she's actually she said dad we got to (laughs) go the voice of reason all right so we left and and i just You know hearing reports of fire jump in the freeway i just could not rest is it coming our way too and so um end up going over there monday 2 a.m and uh i had to go get the cat so i got a police escort to get our cat which i did need to do but wasn't really excited about the cat My family's happy, but anyway. (laughs) And you guys, the fire that we saw, that fire that we saw, you can move to the next picture. Actually, one of the things that did happen was right below that house in the middle, this is a picture my daughter Erica drew in processing the tension and the grief. That fire came around that house and down in this golden ribbon that looked like a necklace just coming down the hill. And it was guided slowly like a control burn around the other side of the hill. And when I got up there at 2 AM the next night, it had come all the way around. It came up behind my garage right by my dried firewood pile right next to the garage made of dried shingles and it didn't touch the house. And it came around the foundation, the, uh, uh, the wall that holds up our deck, and it was on that. And there's uh, railroad ties. It came up to the railroad ties. It did not touch our plastic Trex deck that would have just melted and gone up. It was totally just like like a control burn to protect our house, not consume it. So what we end up finding is this woman that was in our very first small group 25 years ago got this picture Sunday morning before there was any fire. Got a picture of our house in threat of fire. And she was like, she wanted to call us. You guys should cut away all the trees from your house. She was like, no, I can't be controlling like that. And then Monday she woke up to the news of fires. And she started worshiping and praying over our house and our family. And I think the timing might have been similar to when Eric and I were on there worshiping and praying. All that to be said is our house was spared by the grace of God. And I'm I'm a firm believer that our worship was an intercession for that. And so the other thing that's uh, been going on is that my wife has been doing a little study on some Hebrew words and there's this, (coughs) word um, Debar, which is, means word. Debar, Hebrew word means word. Jesus is the word of God. Debar, the, the Hebrew meaning is the doorway to the father's heart. So this Hebrew word Debar means the doorway to the father's heart. You put a Hebrew letter called Mem right in front of it and we have Midbar, which means wilderness. And the M, the mem, is chaos. What I wanna say to you is that our chaos right now in our city is opening up a wilderness time for us. But the word itself is embodying the word of God, the door to God's heart. And that's our heart to his and his into ours. If we let him work through the wilderness time, through the chaos, And guess what's happening, guys? Just like in any forest fire, it burns out the dead wood. In our community, there's been a lot of dead wood interpersonally. People don't really care about each other and whatever. What do we see now? The dead wood's burned out. And people are connecting. They're loving. They're providing. And we don't see people clinging to the stuff. We see them loving what's real. Their family, their community, and their generosity is just coming forth. So, I just want to say that worship is intercession and look for God in the wilderness, and we, the body of Christ, can help interpret what's happening. And we can be a part of bringing God into the community through this event. So, let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for what you're doing in the middle of all of this. God, we want to thank you that you work in wilderness times. And, God, for those who are entering into hard times in wilderness times, God, that your voice would speak loud and clear and that you, Holy Spirit, would be comforter and counselor for all of those who are in hard hard times. And help us to not put labels like bad and wrong on them, God. Let's just sit with what's coming. Where's the good part of the story that trumps the hard part and brings your grace? And God, help us to be your hands, your feet, your heart to those in need. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, Eric. In just a few minutes, at the end of our service, we're going to receive communion uh, together. And this is, um, I think, one of the most appropriate Sundays ever for us to do that. Um, There are some churches that do communion every Sunday and some churches that do it once a month. We do it four to five times a year. Um, We we believe that communion is symbolic in the bread and uh, the cup. But we believe that real communion, what Jesus intended, was our hearts being knit together and doing life together. That when we do small groups or we're breaking bread after service and spending time with one another, that is where communion, as we remember the Lord, is is really happening. But doing this is the symbolic form for us to remember to lean into each other. Because in these moments, I don't want to go through this alone. You don't need to go through this alone. When I climb Mount Everest, which may never happen, uh, I want to turn and high-five someone. When I'm in the valley, I want to be able to have someone who can pull me up and be there for me. And I'm so thankful for the body. I'm thankful for you. One of the things that this this week has done is it has caused us to take an account for our hearts, right? You know, some of you didn't have to evacuate. Some of you did. Um, I had to evacuate. And... And in those moments, you're, you're grabbing, right? Like, you have moments to get what is important. And so you have 60 seconds. You have two minutes. What do you grab? What do you go for? What's important? Of course, my oldest son, Joshua, he's like, PS4. He goes with PS4. <laughs> Save the PS4. And, and my youngest son, Jude, he gets a ukulele. I don't... He doesn't even play the ukulele. The one thing he got was the ukulele. He, so, you know, and I'm, I'm stuffing my backpack with, you know, passports and documents and little tapes of the kids that I should have gotten digitally transferred over, but I didn't. So, um, that kind of stuff and slammed it. Of course, it was all in one place anyway, so it was just kind of like a Phew. But as I'm leaving, I'm thinking, the most important thing are these people that are with me. And the most important thing is my faith in God. Like if that house burns down, and even if this bag of stuff burns down, and the PS4, which I wouldn't be upset if the PS4 burnt down. But if that's gone, like take it all, but my faith has got to stand. Like this is not going to steal my faith in God's goodness. In fact, there's two questions in the Bible that were asked that I want to highlight. The first question in the Bible, in the Old Testament, if you boil it down, if you break it down, the first question that Satan imposes on humanity, it's this, essentially. Is God good? That's the first question. Is God really good? Does God really care about your, your well-being and what's best for you? The second question I want to highlight is the first question in the New Testament, and this is when the wise men from the east come, and they said, here's the question, where is the king of the Jews? And this is what people are asking. They're asking, is God good, and where is he? <clears throat> like, is God good? Like, how can, how can a good God let something like this happen? And then it's like, where is he? And so those are the questions that maybe don't ring in your heart, but sometimes they ring in mine. Where where is God in this? And you can't unring the bell once that rings. And this is the scripture God put on my heart late last night. I I literally mean late, 2 in the morning. This is the scripture the Lord gave me. Genesis 8 and 11. When the dove returned to him, this is the story of Noah, Noah, had he was in a boat for 40 days during a storm, then 150 days waiting for the waters to subside. They subsided to where the boat now hits land at the top of Mount Ararat, right? And then it's another several months or a couple months before the door opens. So from door shutting to door opening is actually one year in 10 days. And right in the middle of this, Noah's going... God, have you forgotten about me? Do you even care? Where are you? And so he sends a dove. And it says, when the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew. I love that. Then Noah knew. My heart today is that you will leave here with some evidence Through the presence of the Lord, that the Lord is with you and he hasn't forgotten you. No matter what, no matter what you're going through, whether you lost your home or you're displaced right now or whether you're just confused and going, why isn't there more help? Why isn't more? Whatever that feeling is, that emotion that you're feeling right now in this season, I want you to know God's presence is with you. We ought to be like Moses that says, I'm not going forward unless your presence goes with me. I need your presence in my life. I need to know you're with me. Here's what God does. Most of the time, he tells us where we're going, where we're going to, but most of the time, he doesn't tell us what we're going to go through to get to the two. Remember when Jesus gets his disciples in the boat and he says, uh, go to the other side. Doesn't tell them what they're going to go through to get to the two. He just says, you're going to go to the other side. Like, you can count on it. You're going to make it all the way. But there's some things you're going to go through to get to the two. And we all know this. If you've ever traveled before um, internationally, um, a lot of times, most of the time, it's not a direct flight. You've got to go through some places. you got to go through screening and through security and through long lines and You know, right? And you got to go get through the line, get on the plane, land in another country, perhaps another city. Get off that plane, go through the airport, go through, go through, go through, go through this city to get to wherever you're going. My one of my first trips when I did uh, extended missions, I was in Houston and I had to fly through Seattle and I had to fly then through Tokyo down to Bangkok and then to Phnom Penh, Cambodia. It was through, 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 through. And I just bought a ticket to go to Phnom Penh. I didn't realize all the through to get to the two. And there's something we've been praying for. We know that God is wanting to pour out His Spirit in this region. And I want you to know with all my heart, I do not believe at all that God causes this, does this. I don't think He punishes through these ways. Well, here's what I do believe, is God uses... These kinds of circumstances to open hearts. People have been saying, We need a miracle. We need something. We, and, and hearts are being opened. People are acting more like Christians should act than maybe Christians have acted like before. There's something in the atmosphere. Something is changing. The landscape, spiritually, emotionally, even te- you know, literally, is changing. And I want to be a part of what God's doing. We know there's going to be an outpour. We know that lives and hearts and families are going to be restored and healed. People are going to be saved. Miracles are going to happen in this region. We just didn't know the journey, and you're a part of the journey. And here's what the Lord wants to remind you of today is there's an olive leaf to let you know today. You're in the middle of it because most of life is lived in the middle, right? You start school, first day, it's awesome. Second day, you're like, all right, I already got homework. The last day, celebrate joy. First and last, there's beginnings and ends to everything, but most of life, you know this, I know this, is lived in the middle, but that's where the miracle is. The miracle is in the middle, and we as a people, and we as a church, and we as a community are in the middle of this, and this is where the glory and the miracles are gonna happen. This is where the opportunities for the church to arise and be the church and serve, right? We're gonna serve one another, not based on, not based on even... Religion, ethnicities, beliefs, we're going to serve. Jesus said, Whenever you serve anyone, you serve me. Serve. These are opportunities for us to show the love of God that we've experienced. So here's what we get to do together as a people we get to stand firm in our faith, we get to know that in the mess, God is still faithful. And I'm still trying to process it. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready I, I'm, you know, I'm, ready to get back in my bed. But if it takes another week or five weeks, whatever, we're good. My sister barely made it out of her neighborhood. And she thought I'm, I'm, she's due to have her C-section tomorrow. And she can't have her baby in Santa Rosa. And so just a few days ago, I saw my sister and she just came weeping. She said, you'll never believe the miracle. Sue Farron, who's, some of you know Sue. She, Sue calls Charity and says, hey, how are you? I just want to check in on you. Charity says, I won't be able to have my baby. And, and the Kaiser down in San Jose where I'm staying, they, they can't, it's not working for this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got a baby growing in me. What do I do? And Sue says, well, I'm so sorry. Person right next to Sue overhears and goes, hey, my best buddy, he's also serving at the vet's building, so my best buddy is one of the OBGYNs in the Santa Clara Kaiser. Let me give him a call. And in 20 minutes, in 20 minutes, she's scheduled for her cesarean in Santa Clara Kaiser. I mean, just, just so much goodness and just so many opportunities for, like, miracles and God kind of stuff to happen. God particles just moving all through The kingdom and through the earth and we want to see it. I want to see it on you. I want to see it on me. I want to see it moving through me. Amen. So how do we interpret this? How do we look at this? This is not the doing of God. But through this, we will be better. Through this, God will receive glory. Through this, people will come to know the knowledge of the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Through this, our community is going to feel the power and the presence of God like never before. Through this, doors will be open, hearts will be open, and you're a part of that. So I'm going to have our ushers come quickly, and we're going to pass out the communion cups and, the, and the, uh, the bread, and we're going to receive communion. If you'll remain seated for now while we pass that out, when you receive the bread and the cup, please don't eat it yet. We're going to do it all together. We had a, a young man who had never done communion before. He was on the front row in the, the first service, and he took a couple crackers and got a couple cups and he was just chewing. He was like, I didn't have breakfast. He had no idea. But this is a moment where we reflect and we remember what Christ did for us on a cross. This is a moment to come together and say, you know what? Jesus' last wishes before Calvary was don't stop doing this. Don't stop being one. Don't stop loving one another and serving one another. And when you see your brother needs his feet washed, wash his feet just like I did for you, do for one another. I love this church. I love this community of faith, and I'm so proud of you. Isaiah chapter 43 and 2 says this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. You won't be overtaken by this. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. It may take the car. It may take the house. It may may disrupt our lives for a season or seasons. But it won't take my victory. This too shall pass. How long? I don't know. What will it look like when we get to there? I don't know. But we will come through. You're going to make it you've been called to overcome and to make it. Eric, thank you for coming to three services and sharing your story. You're a pretty amazing guy. And I do believe that God does miracles. And I do believe that that gold necklace of fire is God just reminding us in the midst of the storm. I'm with you. Here's a little olive leaf. Just remember I haven't forgot about you. I haven't forgot about you. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Today, let us fix our eyes back on the eternal things that matter, the weight of glory, the little troubles, the little things in life, the moments of distress and displacement, pale in comparison to the glory that will be revealed through it all. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? There's a few more people receiving the the cup and the, the wafer. And I'm gonna need one too. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. What this constantly reminds us of is this, is that what has happened to us pales in comparison to what has happened for us and 2,000 years ago the greatest event in the history of mankind the greatest love that could ever be known the word became flesh he humbled himself and became a servant emptied himself went to the cross and took your shame, your sin, your guilt, your pain upon himself. This reminds us that my life is hidden in Christ, and that every step is ordered of the Lord, and that he will get us through, and he is taking us to that destination that he's purposed in himself. The blood represents the penalty of sin being washed away. The body represents the power of sin being overcome. I'm so thankful for Calvary. I'm so thankful that this brings us together. And this is what Paul warns. He goes, don't do this not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning this right here. That the miracle is always in the midst, in the middle of it all. I'm not waiting for perfect circumstances to say God is good. It's in the middle of the mess where God shows up the best and does his greatest work. So here we go. We have the bread that represents his body. We're going to receive his body now in remembrance of Calvary's cross. receive this cup in remembrance of the blood that was shed on Calvary would you close your eyes and would you just lift your hearts with me oh Lord I love you, I thank you for your presence being with us we examine our hearts in your presence right now We humble ourselves in your presence right now. This cup represents your kingdom. This cup represents your glory. This cup represents your mission. This cup represents our freedom from Egypt and freedom from sin. That Passover, that all the judgments have passed over us and we are free to move about the glory of the Lord and the blessings of the Lord. I thank you, God. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the best days are ahead of us. And I thank you for what you're going to do in our community. And I thank you for pouring out your spirit upon all flesh and awakening hearts to the truth and reality of the kingdom of God. I thank you, Lord, for saving our families and our homes. And I thank you, Lord, for touching our lives. And I thank you for those first responders and those families that are serving right now. And I thank you, God, for all those who have sacrificed to sow into this community. I pray blessings go out. I pray, Lord, your favor go out. I thank you, Lord, for you are good and you are faithful and you are wonderful, Lord. In Jesus' name.